Warning, what you are about to hear can only be classified as real talk. This podcast is not intended for the faint of heart or the status quo keepers. Schools are big places, and regardless of what you do, you know just how real things can get at times. In this space, we will talk about real people, real schools, and real situations, so you know just what to do when things get real. It's Real Talk with Jeannie and Matt. And we are back again for episode number seven, the second of our mini pods. Jeannie, last episode, we really dove into the subject of apathy and and what we're seeing within our field, both within our teachers, but also within our leaders. And we had a really great conversation about that. I also know that we encourage those that are listening to the show to kind of communicate with us on our Facebook group. And we had some folks that that did that. So Jeannie, if you want, feel free, just share some of those comments that, that were left. Yeah, thanks, Matt. Um, I was pleased to see, we didn't have a lot of people respond, but we had a couple and many people joining the Facebook uh, page. So that's great. Or group, I should say group, it's not a page. But we had some people who, you know, one who connected apathy with educator wellness and really thinking about the book Educator Wellness, a guide for sustaining physical, mental, emotional, and social well-being by our colleagues and friends, Tim Canold and Tina Bogren. And I think that there is a connection, right? We have to think about how wellness and really incorporating wellness into our leadership um, or into our schools is an important part of that kind of avoiding maybe some of the apathy that we're seeing as well. So I thought that was a great connection. And then we had another listener who very um, articulately explained two main causes of apathy that she's seen in her experience. And she says the first comes from the, in quotes, teach the curriculum with fidelity conversation uh, with, you know, that really ends up putting the focus on teaching instead of on learning. And that can lead to a lack of interest, a lack of enthusiasm. And then the second one is that feeling of hopelessness, like you aren't, you can't, you aren't making a difference for your students. And that, uh, like she says in the post, that really zaps enthusiasm too. So, and there's some responses that we made there too. Um, So check it out if you have a chance. We'll also follow up this uh, podcast and all of our podcasts from the this point on with some some questions that we would love to engage with all of our listeners around in our um, Facebook group. So so join us there if you can. It's Real Talk with Jeannie and Matt. I also, if you look up either one of us, you should be able to find the link there as well too. So hope you join us in those conversations. Absolutely. So Matt, you want to let everybody know what we're going to talk about today? Yeah, so like I said, we, we we talked about apathy in our last episode, a real problem that we're seeing. But one of the things that we also wanted to talk about it, and we kind of we kind of hinted towards it or touched on it last episode, is accountability. And, and sometimes it feels like, especially in the world that you know we've been living in, where everybody has been so stressed out and anxiety has been so high, that word accountability is kind of a scary word. And, and, and Jeannie, I think you said that last episode too, that, you know, you almost hate the word accountability because it doesn't have like a super positive connotation. But I think we both know as leaders that accountability is super important. 
self accountability, but also, you know, being able to hold others accountable uh, for the things that we know we have to do to to meet the needs of all students in our building. And so uh, that is the topic that we wanted to talk about today. And Jeannie, I'll, I'll turn it back over to you. Some of the the, the conversations that we've had, you, you've noticed accountability being a, a major stumbling block for a lot of leaders. Yeah, Matt, it's it's interesting because I was just working, you know, in schools in the last couple of weeks and kind of paying attention and noticing that. And I think it, it definitely is connected to apathy because I think people start to feel apathetic when there's no accountability sometimes. Um, because it's like, well, you know, we've been told these were the tights, for example, but nobody is upholding those. We don't have leaders who are paying attention. So it just becomes, you know, talk about, like our listener said in on the Facebook page, talk about zapping energy. It's like there's a lot of energy put into the let's create the tights, let's develop a plan. But then it's like, well, whether it gets implemented or not you know, it doesn't matter as much. And I just, it's kind of, it's kind of heartbreaking to almost watch it happen because now I'm seeing things from a different lens. I'm not intimately involved in the day-to-day in the schools. And I'm kind of seeing as a little bit of an outsider looking in that this is causing, it's like a vicious cycle that we're creating. And I don't think accountability has to be negative, but I do think that it's this, oh, we have so many things we're accountable for, you know, that makes people feel a little bit overwhelmed too. So I think there's, there's gotta be a way for us to be able to do it effectively. And maybe Matt, I'm going to throw this one at you because you and I were kind of talking about it recently you know, maybe it's, we have too many things we're asking people to be accountable for. So as a leader, it's hard for us to really hold people accountable for all those things. And as somebody who's being held accountable, there's too much on people's plate. So maybe that's part of the conversation. I don't know. Well, what do you think, Matt? No, I agree hundred percent. I think a lot of times, and we, again, we talked about this last week, but um, we have so many things coming at us, whether that's district initiatives, school initiatives, whatever the initiative is. And because we're focused on so many things, we're not very good at any one of those things. And the bottom line is you can't be accountable for a thousand different initiatives. And and what that really means, I think for us as leaders is we have to prioritize those things that are most important right now. Like what is the first next step that we need to take? You can't take all of the steps at the same time. And, And one of the things that I think I've found both as principal and, and especially in the role that I'm in now is when I'm working with schools is really clearly outlining goals. And then also within those goals, prioritizing what's the first thing, what's the second thing, and maybe what's the last thing. I also will say, you know, I, I found that especially in the role, the role that I'm in where I'm coaching schools, less is more, you know, in, instead of having, you know, 10 initiatives or 10 goals, how about we have two or three goals and we get really good at those two or three things we, we focus our time, our energy, and, you know, the, the, the resources that we have, and we really focus it on those things that we want to, to, to get better at right now. Um, instead of trying to spread all of our resources thin on, on all of the different things that, that might come our way. Matt, you are describing the essential standards, priority standards, power standards, whatever you want to call them, process, but you're describing question one, 
you know, from the lens of school improvement, I think it's really a, that same question, like what is so essential that we're going to spend a lot of our time making sure people understand the why, understand how, right? And what is so essential that we will hold people accountable for it, really, and then measure question two, you know, whether those things are happening and then intervene and support and guide when they're not, question three, and then some people who need to take it to the next level. I mean, I think it matches up perfectly with what we're asking teachers to do every single day. Absolutely. With and, kids. And, and, and to go back to some of the things that we talked about previously as well, that this doesn't have to be a one-man job. Like when we're establishing those, those, those two or three things that this year we are going to focus all of our resources and energy on, that, that that doesn't have to just be coming from the principal, that we can really engage our guiding coalition in that work and allow them to have some input in what that's going to be. But in addition to, to identifying what that, that goal is going to be, also help us identify what action steps, what things that we need to do as a school to achieve that goal, but also how are we going to ensure that it's happening? Right? Where does the accountability piece come in? How are we going to know that we're, you know, we are achieving, we're making progress towards our goals? And what are we going to do if we if that's not happening? I think these are all questions that one person really can't answer on their own. Yes, the principle is really important because at the end of the day, they have the positional power and there's a lot of follow-through that has to happen from that position. But in terms of really thinking through what our next steps are going to be and and how we're going to hold ourselves as a school accountable. That can be a shared a shared job among many people. That goes back to our guiding coalition conversation, right? In our guiding coalition episode, I think that we made that point very clear. Um, the shared leadership is is absolutely critical, and people feeling like, and not just feeling like, but actually having a say in 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 what we're going to spend our time focused on uh, in the name of school improvement, in the name of student learning. Right. But I do think you're absolutely right about about positional leaders. The bad the bottom line is, you know, we can do a lot of things to try to move people forward, but the positional leaders have to also be the ones who are saying this is expected here. Right. This is something. And I think I said this in the last episode, too. And that's the accountability piece that for some reason in education feels like it's almost not OK to say that. I think, Matt, you and I were talking about how, you know, it it sometimes feels like as leaders, we're afraid to micromanage or be called a micromanager. The biggest right? and so, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I think that stops us from really seeing progress sometimes. I don't know. I've I've just, I feel like I've seen it. I was, like I said, working in some schools in the last couple of weeks, kind of paying attention to that. And I'm also seeing people say, you know, I, I I'm not going to put my heart and soul into this work because I don't see, I'm not really sure I'm clear on what we're doing, why we're doing it, how to do it. And you know, if you try to hold people accountable for things that they're not clear on, I just don't, I just, that's like the vicious cycle that I just keep seeing over and over again. And so I think, I think we have to be really careful about supporting initiatives that we are bringing forward or ideas or change and make sure that we're supporting it as leaders through really redundant why, 
you know, saying it over and over again in every context you can. I always like to say I'd like people to finish my sentence because I've said it so often that they're like, we we know, we know, we get it, right? I don't know. What do you think, Matt? That's you, you can't you can't do that for everything, right? Like you if if you're saying like people are gonna know it because I I say it all the time and, and they could almost say it in their sleep because that, that's what Jeannie says all the time. You yeah. can only do yeah. that for a few things. There's no yeah. way that you can prioritize in your speech, uh, in, in your conversation, and obviously in your day-to-day -day action, all of the things all of the time. And, and so I think it's really important if for that reason that we, we really prioritize what is it that we need to focus on right now. Uh, and one of the mistakes, Jeannie, that I feel like I see uh, some some schools and districts make is that we we almost put the bells and whistles ahead of the bread and butter. You know, like we're focusing on the bells and whistles before we have a solid foundation. And I think that can also lead to apathy. You know, if teachers are saying like, hey, I'm not prepared to take this next step. That's a very defeating feeling. And you can lose steam instead mm -hmm. of gaining steam. You know, we can't just go for the finished product. We can't put the cart before the horse, if you will. Like, we really have to focus on what's the first thing. And maybe we're working towards something down the road that is more of kind of the, the bells and whistles. But right now, we've got to get a solid foundation. Uh, and, and, and so that would be one of the things that is a guiding coalition is engaging in this work is, where what does the foundation look like? And, and, and is it solid? And if it's not, we better focus our attention there first. Give me an example. What do you give me an example of a bell and whistle? Bell and whistle. That, that might be kind of keeping keeping us from focusing on the right things. Yeah. So I'll give you I'll give you an example. Um, you know, one of the things that I, I I've I've seen a big push for you know in a lot of places is personalized learning. Nothing wrong with it. It's a great thing, right? We 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 certainly would would want you know to see a level of personalized learning in our classrooms. But if we've never gotten clear on what every student has to learn, like if we've never gotten clear on question one, what is it that every student has to master this year and in this grade level or this course, then creating personalized learning courses uh, that's not very clear on those things either seems to me like that would be the bells and whistles before the foundation. We got to get solid on the foundation before we can move on to the glitz and the glamour. That is such a great point. I think you're absolutely right. And I'm seeing that kind of thing happening as well in a lot of a lot of places that are wondering why they're not seeing progress for students. Yeah. Right. I think it really boils down to that too. I want to ask you another question, Matt. I'm sorry, this is becoming the the Matt interview <laughs> a little bit, but yeah. I want to just say, like when you were, you know, because you were pretty recently leading a building, when you were leading what was hard for you in terms of accountability? I mean, raw, honest answer here about what, why does that word feel stressful to all of us sometimes? You know, I think, I think when we're trying to hold people accountable for something that doesn't seem fair, that's tough. And, and I'll say, you know, I was principal for six years, uh, pre-pandemic, during the pandemic, and then uh, post-pandemic. And I will say the, the the few years there that we were really going through it uh, during the pandemic and we're asking our teachers to do things to change their uh, level of instruction, the way that they deliver their instruction, everything about the way that they taught. 
you know, I struggled through that, Jeannie, if I'm being really honest, because overnight we were holding people or trying to hold people accountable for something that they may or may not have been equipped to do. Uh, and so, and so one of the things that, you know, I learned through that is like, we have to extend grace, uh, but we also have to be working towards uh, a better way of doing this because, you know, when we, when we turned loose in, in March of what was it, 2020, and, 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 and all of a sudden the kids are at home and the teachers are home delivering instruction, they weren't equipped to do that. Students weren't equipped to learn that way and, and adults weren't equipped to deliver the instruction that way. And, and so and there was nothing that we could do about that. You know, I think as leaders in the field at the time, we couldn't change the, the situation that we were in, but we better be moving expeditiously towards um, providing people the capacity to do what we were asking them to do. And I, I feel like as we went into that second year, that was the goal is, you know what, well, we've got a little bit of time here this summer um, to really get our get our ducks in a row. And, and so it felt more fair, right, going into the second year of we know what to expect and, and we're giving you the capacity and the resources to do the work. Um, a little more fair to, to hold people accountable to that. And so, I don't know, that's just, that's just the, the thing that popped in my mind immediately. Well, and I, I think that that's very real, what you just described, but in a in a non-pandemic example, you know, how did you go about the balance, you know, between holding people accountable for the outcomes that we know or the practices that we know produce outcomes for kids? You know, how did you find the balance? And I'll be honest and say, I don't know if I ever really did. Um, I think when I first started in my career as a leader, I was way too over the top sometimes, kind of a, a bulldog about things that maybe that backfired on me a little bit. And so now, you know, I learned to kind of figure out a balance a little bit. I don't know if I ever found it, but I think that it's definitely a balance because I think sometimes I even held back some of the things that I knew I needed been a little bit more, you know, held people more accountable for. So I don't know, as I reflect on it myself, I I think there's a lot of things I would do differently. So, and I, I don't know if I ever really found the right balance. I had moments where I th- think I had it, but overall, probably not. So when I think, Matt, I you- think it, I think it comes back to the conversation that we have a lot in our work, and that is what is loose in your building and what is tight in your building. And, and to be quite honest with you, your list of loose is going to be a lot longer list than what is tight. We're not tight about everything as leaders. You know, we, 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 we are not tight about every single thing that happens during the course of a school day in every single classroom in our building. But there are mm-hmm. some things that we better be tight around. And to me, those are best practices, widely accepted best practices within our field. For example, we expect that our teachers collaborate on a regular basis. Uh, we expect that because we know that collaboration is a best practice. And what do we expect them to collaborate around? Well, we better get clear about what it is that every kid has to learn this year in this course and in this subject area, kind of going back to kind of putting the bells and whistles before uh, the bread and butter. If you, if you haven't gotten clear about that, you really can't do anything else. We should also be tied about things like having common assessments that are going to tell us whether, regardless of what classroom a student ends up in this year, that, that they've mastered those things that are most important, that we've deemed most important. And we better have systems to catch kids when they're struggling as well for those things that we deem most important. You know, when I think about tight, 
those are tight things that it doesn't matter what grade level or course that you teach. If you're a member of this institution, this school, this is a best practice that we are going to be tight about. Now, when it comes to being loose, how you go about teaching certain content items, maybe you have a creative way of, uh, of teaching, uh, hey, more power to you. Now, I expect you to come back to the table and share your results and, and share those things that worked well and maybe didn't work so well uh, and be open and transparent so that we're learning from each other. But we can be loose about uh, having some creativity in the classroom. So I think maybe the key, Jeannie, to, to maybe answer this question a little more succinctly is we need to be very, very clear with our staff and with ourselves about what those tight things in our building are going to be. And create those with the guiding coalition. Absolutely. Right? Make sure they're part of that conversation. But so here's the scenario. It's a real situation that happened not that long ago where, you know, the tight were exactly those things you just mentioned, you know, common formative assessments. We will be, you know, checking in in every unit, depending on how long the unit is, you know, several times, at least once in a common way, formatively. And there's a team or two that are not doing it. This is where accountability comes in to play. As a principal, you can't necessarily go to every meeting and monitor the work of the team that tightly. There are things you can do for sure. You can be monitoring minutes. You can have dashboards. Uh, there's lots of different ways that you can do that. But then the accountability piece comes in. You know, how long do we say, we know you're still learning this. It's okay. You know, uh, do we go to the team and say, you know, how can I help? How can I support you in making sure this happens? Because I expect it to, to happen. How long do we do that? You know, this is where the accountability piece gets tough because just like kids don't make it easy for us sometimes, you know, adults don't either. <laughs> um, there's levels of resistance um, that come into play. There's so many factors. So I'm just asking you, having been in a building not that long ago, how did you handle that when that happened? I think the first thing that I would want to do is just do a little bit of self-reflection, right? Instead of immediately kind of pointing the finger at somebody else and saying, how dare you not follow this expectation? I would want to revisit kind of myself and in and, and, and the actions and, and things that I did leading up to it. And, and the first question that I would ask myself is, did I really establish a clear why? of the things that we're asking them to do. In other words, if I'm asking yeah. teachers to identify their essential standards, did I really establish why we need to do that? Did we as a, as, 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 as a guiding coalition really establish that moral imperative of why this is important? The second thing that, that I think you would have to ask yourself is, you know, did you establish who's expected to do it? right? Who's, who's expected to, to meet this expectation? Who's going to monitor it? You know, you said it, right? You can't, maybe you can't be everywhere all the time. Although I will say, and, and I'm just going to be out on the record of saying this, leaders should be a part of the collaborative teaming, not to micromanage, not, not to um, take the, take the stage, but to be in the know of the work that's happening in the building. But if you can't be there for some reason, and things happen, right? If you can't be there, you better have a way of monitoring that, whether that's evidence of the work that's happening, monitoring the products of the work, um, looking at minutes, like you said, or, or, or debriefing with the team afterwards, right? There should be opportunities for you to know uh, whether that work is happening. And then also, you know, 
who's going to ensure that there's accountability? And, and most likely for, for the principals and assistant principals, those people that are in positional leadership positions, they would be the ones that would be holding people, people accountable to those expectations. Um, and then finally, if we're, if we're saying that this is something that we expect to have happen, how are we going to ensure that it happens? Are we providing uh, the time, the resources, anything that the team would need to do that work at a high level? Are we providing the, the materials and resources that they need? And those three questions I think are extremely important for leaders to consider. Now, if you've asked all three of those questions and the work's still not happening, I don't think you wait, Jeannie. I think you, I think you respond immediately, and I and I think that people have to be accountable to it. So, uh, really establishing, mm -hmm. you know, that this is the expectation. Uh, this is not an optional thing. And then also, here's how we're going to monitor it moving forward to ensure that it's actually getting done. Yeah, because the longer we wait, and the more we just allow that to happen that's when it just kind of dies, you know, for lack of a better way of saying it, it's like, well, you know, we were told that this is what we were supposed to do, but nobody's really checking. So let's see how long we can get away with it. You know, um, which, I think which that, leads to yeah. apathy, you know, which leads to mm -hmm. apathy. If, you know, just yeah. imagine for a second that, that you have a principle that's saying this is the expectation. This is the expectation for everybody. And then everybody in the building sees those few people that are refusing to, to follow through with the expectation that's been set. But instead of it being addressed, everybody's also seeing that that can's getting kicked down the road and it's yeah. people are being allowed to just do whatever they want to do. Is there a motivation for that, for anybody else moving forward to follow that expectation that was set? My gut would say, no, there's really not. And there's re there's been a precedent set that if you don't want to do it, you don't have to. So I, I agree with you. The longer that you wait to address that, the more of that apathy that you're going to see in in mm -hmm. in the in the others that are within your organization. Totally agree. And it, I saw a really interesting thing at a school recently where a principal had something he called a 10 minute roundup every week with the team leaders, and the roundup was. 10 minutes and every single team leader had to give an update on their progress around the four critical questions in that particular unit. And it was fast. I mean, it was, you know, so what standard are you guys working on? How are the kids doing? What is your data say? What are you doing about it? Right. It was, it was a really cool, I, I need to know more about how he was able to pull that off every week for 10 minutes. And it was like every Wednesday morning, you know, they met from 7.30 to 7.40. And it was part of your responsibility as a team leader. So there's so many things that can get in the way of, you know, regarding your regularly scheduled meetings. So this was one way he ensured and it's called that, a roundup. that conversation was going to hand, hand happen. Yeah, yeah, a roundup. Did he wear a cowboy hat? Like, I, I mean, I just <laughs> no, imagine, right? If, I didn't ask. <laughs> I didn't ask, but <laughs> that, that been sounds great. like a great idea to me, though. <laughs> Ten minute roundup, cowboy hat on. But but really, it, it's not yeah. too much to ask that if we're doing this work, each of our collaborative teams are doing this work and we're in different places. But we mm -hmm. should be able to summarize the work that's happening in 10 minutes. You should be able to summarize the work that your team is currently doing in 10 minutes. So I think that's an incredible idea and just another way to yeah. be accountable without it feeling draconian. It doesn't need to feel like yes. we're bringing the hammer down on people. It's just saying, this is this is the work that we've committed to as a school. And here's evidence of the work that's happening. Makes sense. Yeah. 
it's like accountability with grace. You know, I think we can pull that off as leaders. It's just, it takes some bravery, some vulnerability. I'm going to do things maybe a little differently. How often do you hear about a 10 minute roundup, you know, wearing a cowboy hat? No, just kidding. Um, but you know, you don't hear that very often. That's a kind of think outside the box kind of thing. Um, and I think it's great. It's, it's definitely, we need more of that. You know, how are we going to creatively and gracefully hold people accountable for the work? Because we have to, this work is what changes the outcomes for kids, right? We know it's research-based. It works when we do it. Um, You know, we wonder why things aren't changing and it's because, you know, we're not doing the work the way the research says is the best way to make it happen. So, And and if we realize that the work's not happening in a certain spot to the degree that it needs to, you know, and Mm -hmm. you go back to those three questions and that last question was how, and through that question, how we realize that there is an obstacle that's preventing the team from doing the work. Then that allows us also as leaders to not just hold people accountable, but to help them remove the barrier that that's preventing them from doing the work. Right. I mean, and I think that, and that's, so it's not just us being, this top-down leader that's just barking at people and telling them what to do all the time. It's problem solving as well. And there are things as positional leader, as principal or assistant principal, you're the only person that can remove certain barriers. And so this is an opportunity for us to not just be holding people accountable, but also to collaborate so that we can help the work get done at a higher level. Yeah. You just described top, you know, top-down pressure, bottom-up support. The pressure is, this work is what makes a difference for kids. So we expect to see it happen. The bottom up support is how can I help remove barriers? How can I provide learning? Um, all of those things. How can I support, you know, a team leader who is needs some help in guiding their own team? You know, those types of things are the part where you can look back and say, I can hold people accountable for the work and I've done everything in my power to support them. Ooh. Yeah, I think that's a that's a great point. Well, I was gonna say, I think, I think over time, when when that when that is the culture that you establish in your building, that yes, lofty expectations that everybody's accountable to, but also I'm here mm-hmm. to support, remove barriers, and help you get to where you need to get to as a team. That that actually decreases apathy, yeah, because people feel supported in the work. They know what the expectation is; they're clear on that, and they feel supported in doing it. We, we talked about teacher apathy last week and how that's a major problem. To me, we can significantly reduce teacher apathy and leader apathy by doing those things on a regular basis. I totally agree. And I heard a team leader today in a meeting say, I am energized by the knowledge that I am receiving right now because now I think I understand what it looks like, why it's important and how to do it. And so that same person very articulately and honestly said to the group, like, I dreaded these leadership meetings in the past because I didn't understand the vision. I felt like I was getting little pieces of information, but now it is clear to me and I'm energized by it. And I think that's such, uh, I mean, such an honest statement by that person and really speaks to the power of the leadership that's there now, making sure that those things are are really clear to people so that they can do the work. Yeah. I think that's, yeah, it was a beautiful moment. 
So I'm just going to wrap up by saying, I think there's a couple of things we communicated. One is that we really can apply the four critical questions that we use with students to the work that we're doing as adults, right? So um, prioritizing what's essential, what we're going to focus on, what we're going to um, hold each other accountable for, what we're going to measure, what we're going to intervene on if kids, you know, kids, see, it's just natural to say kids, if adults, you know, need more support in something. And then even applying critical question number four, right? And saying, there are some teams that are going to be ready to take it to the next level. So let's do that. So that's one of the things that we talked about. And then Matt, I think your three questions, can you recap those one more time? Because I think those are really critical too. Sure. So as leaders, we constantly need to be reflecting on these three questions. If we're asking people to do a certain thing, we need to be able to say, mm -hmm. did we really explain why that is a tight expectation? Why is that morally imperative? The second question is who? You know, who's expected to meet the expectation that we've laid out there? Who is going to monitor it? And who is going to hold people accountable to it? And then finally, the last question is how? How's that work going to happen? You know, what do we need to do as leaders to ensure that teacher teams have all of the resources, all of the support, whether that is physical resources or human resources uh, to, to, to do the work at a high level. Uh, those three questions I think are centrally important to, to making sure that we're going from just talking about the things to actually doing the things. Yeah, so, and I love that when I asked you the question about a team that might not be you know, doing the work, your initial reaction was, I have to ask myself those three questions. Right. I have to look in the mirror for a minute first, take a step back, look in the mirror and say, what do I need to, have I done everything I need to do to make sure that, that um, the work happens? So I think everything else we talked about is kind of encompassed in those two big ideas. But Matt, is there anything else you would say in, in closing um, in terms of our message? No, I think, and, you know, to, to go back to the four critical questions that that you mentioned, um, I would just I would just really, really encourage leaders and then guiding coalitions also right to to consider what is most important right now, what is most essential right now. If you've got a thousand things on your list, you've got too many. If you've got 10 things on your list, you've got too many. We got to whittle that down so that it's actually doable and viable for our for our school and for our teams. And I think that's I really do feel like that's got to be one of the very first steps that we take. But Jeannie. This has been a great mini pod, just us, our conversations uh, around accountability yeah. and how we hold people accountable and what we hold account people accountable to. We've got another mini pod coming up. Do you want to preview that for our listeners? Sure. So the last one we're going to talk about is really about low expectations. And I guess I'll flip that and say the conversation is going to be about high expectations yeah. and, and, and having high expectations for staff and students. And so we're going to kind of look at that through both lenses and talk about the power of high expectations um, in the context of staff and, and students so, and how um, that mindset makes a huge difference in terms of, you know, what we see in terms of growth and proficiency for our kids. 
I love it. And and that just like just like we we were able to get this episode out a little quicker, we are going to be able to get the next episode out a little quicker too as we wrap up our our three mini pod episodes uh, before we move into our next major episode that's focusing on kind of our next series of books. So we're excited about that. Please make make it a point to engage with us on the Facebook group, not page, uh, within the Facebook group so that we can we can continue this conversation around accountability. Jeannie will have plenty of questions that she poses on there, but we would love to see your feedback and interact with you and then hopefully be able to highlight some more of our listeners on our next episode. Thank you so much for joining our, our, our mini pod today, and we can't wait to see you again. Thank you for tuning in to this edition of Real Talk with Jeannie and Matt. If you enjoyed the show today, make sure to like and subscribe to us on Anchor, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts so you never miss an episode when it drops. Until next time, stay focused, stay vigilant, but most importantly, keep it real.